Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everybody. My name is Layla, and you're listening to a Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us this morning. But before we get into the Word, let's take a moment and pray. God, we just thank you for who you are, Lord, and the work that you had done at Calvary, Lord, that you paid for our sins, God, that you took our place, Lord, and you redeemed us so that we could be reunited with you, Lord, as we were in the beginning, God. And we just thank you for that, Lord, and we declare you, Lord, over all, Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords, Lord. You are over all things and in things and through all things, Lord, and you have given us gifts according to your grace, Lord, and we just thank you for it today. We thank you for the blessings that you are pouring out on your partners, Lord, and those that are walking for you, God. And we just thank you for your goodness and your compassion and your love, Lord, and your gentleness towards us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome, everybody. We are excited to have you with us. And we want to cue you in to we're doing something a little different we're switching it up as the lord's led us and so a slight departure from our normal study that we are doing right now in the lord's house and that is because upcoming is passover and resurrection sunday uh, otherwise normally called easter for many right mm. and and all things we have to let the lord lead and this is how he has been leading us is to talk about christ the messiah jesus's death burial and resurrection so we are taking a, a slight pause on the lord's house and i say slight pause because this is really the the culmination of everything when we study the lord's house we, we've been talking how it all points to christ right and Jesus even claimed, this is in John 2, begins in verse 18 through 22, when he was questioned by the Pharisees and the Jews, he said to them, what sign do you show us since you do these things? And Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has been 40, it has taken, excuse me, 46 years to build this temple. And you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. <clears throat> So that's why I say it's a slight departure, because we're talking about Christ so that we can understand if the disciples that literally walked, talked, handled Christ in the flesh didn't understand or misunderstood things, right, then it is imperative that we do our due diligence to one be led by him and to allow his holy spirit to teach us 
so that we don't misunderstand, but we can rightly understand and rightly apply the word, his word, to our lives. Amen. 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 And the, the work that Jesus did for us, his, his life, but the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior is what our faith is founded on. Amen. If he never rose again, then we have nothing to stand on. We have nothing to believe in. He's just like anybody else. But the fact that he got up and the fact that his blood is the payment for our sins means everything. So as we partake in God's word and we focus and, and um, humble ourselves but highlight what Christ did for us, let us see ourselves and our life coming from him and the work that he did for us on the cross and that he is still interceding for us at the right hand of the Father in heaven, mm-hmm. alive and well. Amen. Now, as we look at this, there are a number of different starting places that we could select from. Um, And it really begins with, and you'll see this throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It talks about the plot to kill Jesus, right? Um, John 11, 55 says, beginning of 55 through 57 says, And the Passover of the Jews was near. And many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke amongst themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. So I think that is the, the starting place for us. And also because at the beginning of John uh, chapter 12, talks, if you look at this in a timeline, it begins with six days before the Passover. So this is almost a complete week, right? Yes. Jesus didn't just wake up one day and they're nailing him to the cross, Right. Yes. yes. There were events and things, teachings, instruction for us to glean from before he was crucified, mm-hmm. before he was buried, and, and even after he was raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. So um, let's begin there. And let Charles, can I have you read the first 11 verses of John 12? Yes. Thank you, sir. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Then they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, a spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who had betrayed, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? 
This he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had a money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Hmm. Amen. Amen. So I want to open it up to, to comments and discussion uh, for each of well, everyone that's here um, in person, of course, to have the opportunity to share with the Holy Spirit, speaking and ministering to them, and then also to ask any questions that you have. And for the listeners, and, and even those in the room, um, I will, just so everyone can keep track of where we're at, right? The starting points throughout the Gospels that we are looking at. Uh, as you know, we started in John 12, right? And also in Luke, it began in chapter 22. In the Gospel of Mark, it begins in chapter 14. And in Matthew, uh, it begins in chapter 26. So just so everyone has uh, reference points that they can also look back and forth throughout the scriptures, that's, that's where we're starting from in this discussion. So the floor is open. Who would like to begin and share first? Oh, I'll go. All right, I promise. Okay, first Lord was talking to me about... Oh, I flip my page. Are you looking for yeah. something? Yes. Do you need some time to find it? I found it. Okay, with verse 9 where it says, Now a great, now great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Je Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had risen from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. And the Lord reminded me of how Jesus then stopped the Jews from coming in, saying, No, you can't come. It's only for these certain people that Jesus lets everybody come and partake of him. And how whenever we see Jesus, that's how we should look at him. Can you repeat that? How, how should people look at him? Looking at him as he always invites you to come. Not mm -hmm. saying certain groups of people can't come. Exactly. Where you have, I'll say, in this case, the Pharisees that were in opposition, right? Yes. And we just read that at the beginning of John, how they sought to have people inform them of where Jesus was. Well, clearly they knew, right? Yes. We just read that they, they clearly knew. But if you look at Luke 22, in verse 2, 
It says the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him. And here's the reason why. They feared the people. Right? Yes. Yes. Okay. But then let's also look at another another point here. Jesus wasn't the only one they were trying to kill. They also wanted to kill Lazarus. Let's consider that for a moment, because that's back in in John chapter 8. Jesus goes and raises up Lazarus, as the Father directed, right? Yes. Okay. So it wasn't just trying to destroy Jesus. It was trying to destroy any, any irrefutable evidence of the works that he had done from the Father and through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Trying to destroy any and all signs and wonders. Hmm. And why? Because they believed. And there was proof. Because other people believed. Others believed, absolutely. And there was proof. The Pharisees did not believe. Exactly. They knew who he was and they understood, clearly. Because if they did not know, there would be no reason to be afraid of Jesus or mm-hmm. to crucify him. A- and the people. Mm-hmm. But in all things, you know, God was working his plan. Something that kind of, um, and I'm still listening to the Holy Spirit on this to understand, but there's, you see the Pharisees who represent the people who should have known God the most, right? And should have yes. easily and readily recognized from their heart Jesus, who he, who he is, who he was, and they should have loved him, but they did not. And they wanted to protect their status, their status quo, their life, their power, their stance, their viewpoint, their perspective, whatever it was, their elevation above the people. And Jesus was coming to change all that and take his place and be God. But the Lord made a connection for me with my heart or the heart of the believer. When Jesus comes to go, hey, my love, and touch a, touch a place in us, that's not an alignment. When he comes to sit on the throne concerning oh, our finances or our marriage or our children or whatever it is that we think we've got it all together. But he says, I have a different perspective. Of course, his perspective is right. But when he comes to touch that, do we then turn and try to kill him, lash out at Jesus and resist him in that process when he comes to change us? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Like when, yes. when Jesus comes to your heart and he goes, we need to talk about this, my love. And then we go, no, get away from me, Lord. And then we try to discredit or disprove what he's saying to us when he brings light. Are we doing that in our hearts? I know we look at the crucifixion of Jesus on the grand scale. And yes, he did physically, literally die. But every day when he comes and he speaks with us to to change us, to develop us, to cultivate in us the life of God and his will for our lives. Are we accepting him or are we rejecting him? Are we readily opening the door and allowing him to come in and loving the work and approving of the work that he's doing on the inside of us? Or do we seek to destroy that work? Because for some reason, we're not ready or some reason we don't like the way it feels or some reason we don't trust God in that area or whatever, whatever the thought is, or we've allowed the enemy to deceive us 
concerning the love that God has for us and the reason that he comes to us. You know, that was just kind of a, a thought that I had. Hmm. Amen. But we well, should let him in because he's, whatever he's doing, it is for his glory, but for our good. We always benefit from that, whatever he wants. Well, I don't think we should be surprised when that happens. I mean, um, this morning I was sharing with you guys some, some things I was disappointed about. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. But in the same time, I'm recognizing I have to bring that in alignment mm -hmm. with what the Holy Spirit is telling me. Amen. <clears throat> and um, there's a part of me that has to accept it. I mean, our, our flesh, for me anyway, and I don't mean this in a negative way, it's just the reality of, of what it is, is my flesh is, is almost always in conflict with God's Word and the Holy Spirit in me. There's a battle there that's, that's raging. My flesh wants what it wants, and typically that's not in alignment with what the Holy Spirit wants for me. Mm -hmm. And I can't glorify God by satisfying the flesh. Mm -hmm. I glorify God by submitting to what the Holy Spirit is telling me and being obedient. I mean, that's what he said. He who loves me obeys me, doesn't justify, doesn't mm -hmm. hold fast to his crazy thinking, right? <laughs> he surrenders and submits himself. Um, the to me it's a, there's a there's a part of this that you know it shows how it can't be the things of god that the pharisees are saying um perfect love casts out fear that's right right so they're they're operating the pharisees are operating in a place of fear their fear of loss of power of numbers of control mm -hmm. um it's it's really clear mm -hmm. and something i had not seen before uh, this morning, but it's just uh, kind of neat. Um, it doesn't appear that they're um, contrary to what the, the Pharisees and the uh, Roman rulers tried to say about Christ's death and resurrection. Lazarus' resurrection from the dead isn't being disputed. Right. It's only being feared mm -hmm. and wanting to squash it and get Lazarus out of the way because of it. So um, it seems like at least uh, as a way of saying it, it's, it's not in dispute that Christ performed that miracle. Mm -hmm. In fact, they, they didn't dispute any of Christ's miracles, did they? They just they tried they, to dispute could not. what power he used yeah. to get them. Absolutely. Yeah. But they, were, they did not dispute the miracles. Absolutely. And this, I love how you brought that, that point up, was about trying to get rid of Lazarus, but they couldn't dispute it. So then, but what did Jesus say? He said, if this is how they treat the master... Wouldn't they treat the servant in the same way? Or why should the servant expect different treatment? Mm. What they did to the master, they will absolutely do to the servant. And you see that here, even before he was crucified. They were trying to eliminate them both. Mm. But I, I also find this interesting. Um, we talked about how the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, they feared the people, right? Um, but interestingly enough, in Mark... Uh, 14 2 and in Matthew 26 5 mm. right you see they're they're scheming they're plotting they're planning because they both say the same thing not during the feast they wanted to eliminate them but they said don't do it during the feast and then their reasoning how they rationed it right you know rational logical justified it in their mind rationalized mm -hmm. you rationalized thank you you're welcome baby was how they didn't want the people to be in an uproar. 
But even with all that plotting and planning, the exact thing they were trying to avoid was the exact plan and desire and prophetic word words given in the Old Testament about when he, this would take place. That Jesus clearly explained to them because he was the Passover lamb, the mm-hmm. sacrificial lamb. So the exact thing they claim they were trying to avoid in all their, their scheming is the exact thing that the Lord still brings to pass. Mm. I mean, there's no counsel against the Lord. Absolutely. And for some of the people, they probably willingly knew that they were working with Satan, you know, and Jesus did articulate that, that they were acting as their father. But some of them probably thought they were doing God a favor. They, they were looking to hold on to their religious traditions. And, and that's the connection point that God was talking mm-hmm. to me about, about the, the heart refusing God. Are we more concerned about our religious tradition than we are about him and his goal, his life that's happening right before us? The movement of God happening right before us. But we're like, no, this is what I want. Um, as you were talking, my love, mm-hmm. the Lord was just articulating more the, the point that he was talking to me about. And I can see God coming to someone and going, hey, stand up on the inside. I've placed all of this in you. And I want this to come forth out of your life because I've called you. I've destined you to do this. And they go, no, God, I'm poor and I've always been poor. Just leave me alone. I just... This is all I know. This is, I'm poor. I've always been poor. And they don't want to accept the change that God is bringing to them. No, God, I'm sick. I've always been sick. And pushing him away when they should have loved him, when they should have received and said, okay, if you're telling me to be healed and be made well, yes. If you're telling me not to be poor, yes, I'm looking for you, God. I'm, I agree with you. Not to let the, men, the mentality and the mindset and the love for the things the way they always were and have always been get in the way of what God is doing now, the mm-hmm. divine movement of God. The Pharisees didn't want their nice little ceremony that was so far removed. Yes, in action it was fine, but their heart was far from him. They didn't want Jesus, the Messiah, to get in the way of their nice little tradition and their ceremony, and they were willing to kill him to get him out of the way. They didn't mm-hmm. stop to go, hey, wait a second. Didn't the Lord say don't murder while we're rolling out our righteousness? <laughs> while we're rolling this out. Didn't he say that? Absolutely. Uh, we already have gone over that. That's in Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. Which they should have known. But they said, no, we'll just murder later because we like this ceremony. We enjoy this tradition. It's great. Family gets to come over. We party. We, we do whatever it is. We eat the food. And, but we don't want him there. Well, and that's, that's the thing. I love how you brought that up, honey, about traditions. These traditions, there's nothing wrong with them in and, in and of themselves. But the difference is about relationship. And we'll see this in the next section we read here, how it's about relationship. And the relationship only highlights and heightens the traditions the meaning of it. the meaning exactly and the it, partaking of it uh, i was having this conversation with with someone else uh this week and about the relate the difference relationship versus traditions mm-hmm. and and i i stated it this way um if if i put all these traditions in the way before you could approach me 
you had to hop on one foot for 20 minutes and you had to sacrifice a, a lamb or, and do all this other stuff before you could come approach me. What is the likelihood that we would ever speak? And the person was, was very honest and, and they said, never. We would never speak. Like, what would be the point and purpose of that? I have to do all this just so I can approach you? And I said, exactly. But now if we have a, a relationship, which is what Christ wanted and has looked for in us from the beginning, personal, deep, and intimate relationship with us, wouldn't that only heighten all the traditions? Wouldn't it amplify them? Because now there is significance and meaning and a reason of why we are carrying out these traditions. Would it not? Yes. Absolutely. It's kind of like the colloquialism in America, put a name with a face, you know, or exactly. match, a, match a face with a voice or something like that to make the connection more firm. Because until that, until we know Jesus in relationship, he's, he's just a figure. He's just something we saw somewhere, just something we heard about. Mm-hmm. But when you know him, when you know him, he's so much more than that. And you're like, I'm doing this in remembrance of you, my Lord, and mm-hmm. of who you are and what you've done and where you are today and what my hope in you is and glorifying Amen. him. It means more. So now, Charles, can I get you to read from verses 12 through 19, please? Yes. The next day, great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had been done and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you're accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after them, after him. Mm-hmm. So if, in case I didn't make it clear, anyone is open to share at any time with the Holy Spirit speaking, ministering to them. Yes. And ask questions. Yes. Does anyone have anything they want to share? I do just very quickly with the Pharisees when it said, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after mm-hmm. after him. It was just interesting because the job of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes was to teach the people the words that they could identify the Messiah. So instead of realizing that they accomplished what God told them to do, they saw it as they're being stolen from. Um, Jesus is coming to push them out of their place, which, no, he just verified it with all these signs and wonders. But instead of rejoicing together with him, they, like you said, Mommy, they try to cut him out and push him away and try to exalt themselves. And it just... I just found it interesting that they said, you accomplished nothing. No, you didn't see the full, as in the Pharisees, they didn't see the full um, expanse of it because they're blinded by their own lusts and desires, but they did accomplish what God asked them to do. Teach the people so that they'd be able to recognize me when I come. Mm -hmm. Because before then, 
they didn't know. Like the Amalekites and the Amorites and all those other people, they didn't know because nobody taught them. But when the word came and people were teaching them, teach your children, Abraham, and through the generations, now you saw them go, oh, that's the Lord over there. I can see him over there, and he's doing this in my life. And they were drawn to him. And so, yes, the Pharisees accomplished what they were designed to do, but they didn't see it because they were blinded by their own lust and desires. And it's just a reminder for us today, we still have that same calling. Don't let your own pride and your own desires get in the way so that you miss what God is trying to do for you, mm-hmm. through you, for others. Well, we always take that personally first, right? Yes. That our eyes are on him and that they're opened. And it's a choice to have the eyes of our understanding darkened by the enemy. It's a choice to allow that. And it's a choice to allow the light of God to come in, to enlighten our understanding so that we know what the hope and the calling in in Christ Jesus is. That's our choice because the Holy Spirit, he always knocks. He stands at the door and he knocks. And when we open the door to him, when we open the door to the Lord, he is faithful. He always comes in. And sups with the person that allows him in. So on the other side of that is if we refuse him, then what's left? You're not independent of yourself. The adversary is right there to go, thanks. You know what? I've got some words to say about that. And enters darkness. Well, which is why, and we say this oftentimes here, let everything pass by before Christ because he's the last Adam. But everything, mm-hmm. every thought, everything you're about to say, everything you're about to do, because we want to know his ways and his thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I love the point you brought up how the Lord still accomplishes plan and purpose, even through people that were resistant and rebellion. And by that, I mean Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. Throughout the entirety of Scripture, but especially the Old Testament, it makes it very plain. He says, and whether it's Jeremiah or, or others, right? Teach the people how to separate the holy from the profane mm. or the holy from the common, right? Yes. yes. Distinguishable differences, right? To learn all those even subtle differences because the enemy tries to, to make a counterfeit. It looks and sounds, goes, but what's at the core of it, right? Yes. yes. And that, that part matters. Because, and this is the second time it says it here in in 19 verses, that the disciples didn't understand. Mm -hmm. They had heard, they grew up in the synagogues, they grew up listening to the words being spoken. They heard all the prophetic words given, right? Even about how he's going to come in riding on a colt. That's in Zechariah 9.9. Talks about the triumphal, triumphant entry of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Christ, the Messiah. But they didn't understand those things. It wasn't until later that they understood them, right? It says it very plain there in John 12, 16. Mm-hmm. So they'd heard about this their whole lives. But there's that element that it doesn't look like the way we expect it, the way we've built it up in our mind. And then mm-hmm. when Christ brings his perspective, what he meant 
because that's really all that matters. We miss it or we reject it because we're like, no, wait, Jesus, you're supposed to be on a floating cloud with a crown on your head, blowing a trumpet with the sword and slashing everybody and throwing the Romans out and being violent and and establishing us as authority and, you know, <laughs> pointing, going boom in their face and, you know, making us feel great. Whatever it is that we we imagine that God is doing Right. We, we put it in our mind and not with the imagination part of us that belongs to God, but the part that we go, this is what I thought. And then when he brings his perspective, which is pure, it's mm-hmm. righteous and it's holy and it's right and it's good because we're not thinking on his wavelength. We, we have not taken his thought to go, OK, your thoughts are higher. That's why I'm coming up to. We said, no, you come down to our thoughts and that's all we can understand. And if we think like that, we miss the things of God. And we often find ourselves, as you said, Dean, disappointed and angry. I mean, you didn't say that part, but I'm, I'm just speaking from my own experience. Anger, bitterness falls in suit. I mean, you can see the Pharisees. They were angry with Jesus when they should have loved him. They should have adored him. They should have worshipped him freely, openly, and been grateful. But they hated him. They despised him. They rejected him. And we've all done it on some point. It wasn't just because they happened to be standing there. My sin stabbed Jesus in the back and whipped him and, you know, poked his side and all of that proverbial side stabbed him in the back. But my sin caused his beard to be torn out. My sin caused the lashes on his back. My sin was why he was on the cross. It was my sin. I can take accountability for that. And I thank God for his graciousness. Mm-hmm. But in this, see yourself and then reposition yourself. All have fallen short, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're not condemning them. But also as we look at it, where are we? I'm concerned. I mean, we have children, so I'm concerned about your well-being. But first, I'm concerned about what's my position because I can't help you if I'm misguided. I can help you be misguided if I'm misguided. And then we all end up in the pit. But that's not what I desire. That's not what God desires. So let me align myself first and then i can help you mm-hmm. go where you need to go amen well, there's a lot there so so let's pause for today and i, I just want to encourage listen to if you have questions about anything we've discussed or are going to continue to discuss uh, then i would you know ask you to reach out we'd love to connect with you love to hear from you you can do that on our website at adayofprayer.org or you can email us and we I'll say have a new email address that you can contact us at, which is ministry at a day of prayer.org. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear from you. Love to discuss the word with you. And if you've been blessed by anything here, I ask that you would like the episode, subscribe on any number of our platforms and share it with someone else. So they too can be blessed. So they too can grow, develop, mature, both spiritually as well as naturally in the things of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right, sir. Lord, I just thank you for today and just thank you for just giving us the opportunity to repent and just revealing to us your revelation. Mm -hmm. Lord, I also just thank you for just giving, just making us where we're your children, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. In Jesus' Mm. name, amen. And amen. We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day.
We hope you've enjoyed listening to a Day of Prayer's morning Bible study. This year, Pastor John and I are believing for 1,000 new partners to believe God with us and join in the work of the ministry. God is doing great things through a day of prayer, and we want you to be a part. If the Lord has placed on your heart to partner with us, please contact us online at adayofprayer.org. Click on the menu and select Partner. Complete the form, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you again. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.